Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. And happy Thursday, May 18, everybody. It is the year 2023. This is the 26th year of uh, bringing you the voice of the prophets first with Elijah List, which is our written portion, and then Elijah Streams that you're watching right now. So we're just having a ball. God has really favored this ministry. amazing amazing when we went to israel all the people the, the 300 that came it's like they're such a grateful group they're such a loyal group I, I feel like they're family they would come up to me and say i feel like your family i feel like i know you and it was like the feelings were totally mutual uh with the exception is i didn't know their faces but they knew mine but oh man what a what an amazing group of, of viewers you all are so loyal it's like you're all patriots most of you lo- love trump you love america uh, you love the prophets. You love to sow into the, the downcast, the downtrodden of the earth. It's just like a real, from a, anyone that showed up uh, to Israel, we already knew you who you were by the time we you walked to the door because the very fact that you wanted to be on this tour showed us who you were. So it was really great having you, having you all there. So, all right, we've got a couple things to do real quick, and we've got a very full show with Robin Bullock. So... Before we do that, let me read to you a, a little excerpt from American Warriors that are produced by my brother, Warren Schultz, and myself. And these, this is where you go to get onto American Warriors. American Warriors 22, it's the same um, handle there you put there on either Rumble or YouTube. You can watch today's premiere. So let me read that to you. As a kid, Ben wanted to become a youth pastor, but growing up in a broken home caused him to put up walls around his heart. When sports injuries ruined his chances of a college scholarship, he joined the Marines. There, his heart further hardened until he was ready for war. In part one of his story, Ben talks about grim realities of combat and what it does to a person. He was a man in need of healing. Here's part of his story. You know, the average Joe, regular civilians, operate on a two or a three level, meaning their adrenaline from one to ten. When they spike, they're at a five or a six. Three vehicles uh, oriented east-west. Do you see those? Yes. For most operators, we are trained to operate in such an extreme environment that our norm is a five or a six. So when we get to the operational adrenaline spikes, we're at a ten. Really amping up that throttle and, and making sure, you know, the mission's all that matters. And God, you are now clear to engage the moving vehicle. Before I went in the Marine Corps, I felt like I probably had wood fences up around my heart. And now after the boot camp and after all the preparation, I feel like it was center blocks. It was like they created this machine. The little kid that wanted to be a youth pastor was now like this man that was ready for war, essentially. It's amazing. We have no idea what those who would lay down their life, so many of them that would lay down their life for us at the same time are being wounded inside and their, their emotional being. Both, both body, mind, soul, spirit, the whole thing. So, you know, our hats off to it. And truly that scripture that says, no greater love does a man have or a person have than he lays down, he would lay down his life for another. And so, yeah, we were just talking about that off the air about what it takes to, to do that and for those that are operating. So, all right, listen, uh, we're going to do introduce a new segment that will pop up once in a while, and it's called This Happens. So here we go, and I'll, I'll explain that in a second here. 
So once what we're going to do is we're going to start uh, doing as periodically rather than on a given day, if there's a uh, prophetic word that was given and then something related to it happens, we're just going to call it this happened uh, rather than say, here's a prophecy and here's how it was fulfilled because some of you will watch it and you'll go, I don't know if that's the fulfillment, but that's interesting. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to show you stuff that's interesting we're going to say this happened, and you decide on your own if you think it's a fulfillment or not. Is that a deal? So with that in mind, here's one of those with Amanda Grace. Thus says the Lord, have your armor on in this season every day. That's capitalized, my children, every day. For his darkness waited at the door for Cain. So darkness and allurements wait at the door to weaken you and bind you. Beware of their delicate dainties, for they are deceit. They are deceit, says the Lord. Be sober-minded and vigilant, for the enemy roams about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. The lion of England is hungry for a kill. Watch and see, says the Lord, as family has become prey, and an attempt made that will fall short of its mark, but bring complete shame and scandal as well, as a resurfacing of a similar attempt that succeeded on a princess decades ago. Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan, and her mother were involved in a near-catastrophic car crash involving paparazzi photographers, uh, a near-catastrophic car chase involving paparazzi photographers. So there you go. So we're going to give you some of those, and it's um, you'll begin to see the credibil- credibility of the prophet, of the prophetic voice. But someone may say, well, that's the fulfillment, and yet tomorrow something more dramatic along the same lines might happen. And then we would say, well, no, that's the fulfillment. So... Uh, we're just going to call it this happen and let you all draw your own conclusions. Uh, it'll be fun to learn uh, how prophecy works. So, all right, without further delay, let's bring in Robin Bullock. Here we go. There he is. Robin, I haven't seen you since Israel, a whole 10 days ago, whatever it was. So, yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Shalom. <laughs> I, had, I had people giving me grief when they were in Israel because I couldn't do this. No, you can't just do this. <laughs> I love Hey, Robin, um, thanks for so, doing such a great job in Israel. You did so good. And I always to tell the people, you poured yourself out for the people. I mean, you really did. Um, at all those different stops where, where the group came together, four or five, however many there were, you know, you could have held back, but you just gave it all. And I, I and you helped us with the baptism. So I just want to thank you publicly and honor you for doing that. That was, it meant a lot to me that you would work that hard oh. to give yourself to the people. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, we thank the Lord, brother. It was a, it was very much my honor and I love the people and God loves them more than we do. Yeah. And, oh, so true. Well, know, listen, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to, I was just going to say, let it be, let it be said and known that one day when mine and your day passes and in the earth, that people can look back and remember that, that there are people of God who love the people. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. For the people. Yeah. It was so good. So, so good. So uh, listen, while we were in Israel, we videotaped or video, the tape isn't the word anymore. We videoed you at Mount Carmel prophesying. I'm going to play that clip. It's, it's a little bit longer than the clip. It's four and a half minutes, 40 minutes and 38 seconds. And, and then uh, after this, I'm just going to leave it to you to, to jump in there. We're, we were going to talk about two kings and two presidents or but anything you want to jump off of when you see this clip, we'll just go there. Okay. So without further delay, here's that clip. Like David with his stones, 
All the enemies of Israel. I come at you in the name of the Lord. And he will deliver you into our hands. And we'll smite you and take your head from you. And give the carcasses of the hosts of the enemies of Israel to the fowl of the air and to the beast of the field. Right now, it is time to take our nation back and free God's people from its enemies and take back all that God has given to every free nation. It is time to release the word for Israel to deliver them. It is time to prophesy our freedom to the nations. It is time to release the word of the prophetic together to bring the giants down. We say unto the giants of the land today that the Lord will deliver you into our hands. Now lift your hands and praise God a minute. So from the place where Elijah faced the prophets of Baal and called down fire from heaven, this is the place today that we prophesy to the enemies of Israel. From here we prophesy to the enemies of America. From here, here we release the stone uh, like David from the Mount of Elijah. And I say, I say in the name of Jesus, over the land of Israel, peace, 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 shout to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, I call for this Lord in the United States is a shield unto Israel. We are two nations that were created on the love of God. You created Israel because you love it. America was created because we love you. So Lord God, these are the two nations on the love of God. And right now, Lord, we, I call for the removal of jackals. I call for the removal of this jackalous regime. I pull it down from the place of its authority because America is being hindered from assisting Israel. And so right now, Lord, I release, Lord God, this thing over America. And Lord God, we cast down the jackals and we cast down. And Lord, listen, in the name of Jesus, Lord, Benjamin Netanyahu said, God will fight for us. So Lord, heed his prayer and fight for Israel. And we thank you, Lord, as a group representing the prophetic on the Mount of Elijah. 
we thank you for deliverance over the land of Israel. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. can rejoice. So good, Robin. So, so powerful. What would you like to say about the whole Israel trip or anything? Anything? I'm just going to throw it to you. I hear the word of the Lord say these things concerning this new time and a new subject, not just a new word, but a new subject into the church, the body of Christ. For you have, some of you have adopted corrupted minds. You have corrupted my thoughts, my word, and my moral law. You have created a new time that absolutely has nothing to do with me. For you have taken and turned things your way, and you have made it. Mm by big boards and wheels. And you are co attempting to correct my word that needs no correction at all. For you have lifted yourself up higher than God and your arrogance stinks before heaven and before the courts of heaven. For even now angels are looking and staring, wondering what the next move will be for God. For my move will be my word. Hear the word of the Lord. Correct your own doctrine and correct it fast and correct it quickly for soon we'll be on the other side of all of this. And wherever you land on that side is where you'll stay. For this is the time of correction. For you to correct yourself with the word. Speak for mercy and grace. Call for it, says the Lord, yeah. and I will surely give it. But if you do not, and you land on the other side of this outcome, and you remain unchanged when you get there, there is where you will make your bed. There is where you'll be like Og, king of Bashan. You will be there, for you will have your own idea and build a bed so big that you think only a God could lay in it. But know this, says the Lord, I am not a man that I should lie. Neither I am a man that I should repent. For I took flesh and bore your sickness and carried your pain and your sin. I defeated death, hell, and the grave and rose again. And you would spew that in my face? By making your own doctrine, the doctrine of men. Saying I said this when I said it not. Saying I said something that my word says I did not say. For I will not change the thing that went out of my mouth. I will not change the written word. Learn the written word. And you say I can't believe the written word. It's because you will not read it. If you would read it, you could believe it. But you will not read it. You would rather read newspapers than my word. 
And you have built doctrines of devils. You have lifted them high in your pulpits. And you've ordained homosexuals together as they kiss in my pulpits. You are fools. And you will reap the bounty of a fool lest you repent. So repent, says the Lord, that I may have glory within your ranks and show my greatness among your children. But if you do not repent, you will not see my greatness in the legacies of your children, but you will see the destruction like an old shoe torn apart. For this is the word of the Lord today as it comes upon you. Hear a new subject, a new subject of righteousness. Talk of righteousness. Talk of morality. Talk of my word. And I will surely give you the blessings of my word. This is a word to the church, to the body of Christ. For you are not being an example to the world as a whole. Only a remnant remains. Now is the time for the remnant to become the majority. Let your words be heard. Speak righteous, vote righteous, talk righteous, live righteous. Read my word, would you? And then you can dare believe it. Don't quote a word you've never read or quote a statute you do not know. Do not do this, says the Lord. For a sodomite will never be in control of my tabernacles. Hear this word, for you are robbing the people, and you are robbing those you, held, you hold captive in your forts, within your ranks, that I seek to deliver. But you won't let me deliver them, for you hold them there in captive of your own rules. <clears throat> Release them so that I may show them their destinies. Release them so that I may give them the promises I told them. And I may fulfill and make good on the promises I promised their ancestors that prayed for them. For I promised them families, fortunes, and promised them a great life. But you and your religious rebellion hold them against their will. <clears throat> for they go to bed and cry at night. For deliverance, deliverance. And you show them only fleeting moments of moments of moments of pleasure in their flesh. But when those moments are gone, they cry like the man in the tomb. <sighs> deliver me, deliver me. For the Lord says, yea, I will. For I am sending the remnant toward you. And neither storm, nor wind, nor wave will keep them from coming to that tomb and calling you out. For I am sending you my deliverance, says the Lord. So rest in that, and I will do it whether a whole denomination tries to keep me away. I will come, and I will deliver you, says the king, for your cry has been heard. Hallelujah. 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 Wow. Wow, Robin. Uh, it's interesting you just prophesied the whole denomination would try to keep me away. I mean, you think, why would a denomination try to keep God from rescuing the children or whoever these victims are? 
You know, in 1 Samuel chapter 6, in 1 Samuel 6, we see something, Steve, that the Lord spoke something to me yesterday. And this morning he said, I'm not introducing a word right now. I'm introducing a whole new subject for the body of Christ to look at. A subject, not just a word. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. And then he spoke to this to me yesterday. He said, they ran or they walked to the tabernacle of Moses. He said, but you danced to the tabernacle of David. He said, when you walked with sacrifice yesterday in the spirit, I heard, I heard a priest from somewhere in time, I heard them say, we used to walk toward the tabernacle, the tent of Moses, the tent of meeting. We would walk there with sacrifice in tow and go through the way gate and offer him there on the brazen altar. Everything about Moses' tabernacle was a sacrifice, a progression of sacrifice to cover a man's sin, to redeem a stiff-necked people. But the tabernacle of David was a revelation of something else. The tent of David, they danced to that. They danced all the way to the tent of David, but they walked somberly all the way to the tent of Moses because both was a prophecy, Steve. Both was a huge prophecy. The prophecy of the tent of Moses was the uh, prophecy of the sacrificial lamb that would come and die for men. Think about it. He comes in, they've come in the way gate and they, they offer their sacrifice on the brazen altar. And the book of Revelation says, Jesus' feet is burned like fine brass. Then they would approach the laver. And he said, out of your belly flows rivers of living water. <laughs> then they would go through the, the five posts into the first inner court and, and, as you're walking in over here would be the, the menorah, the seven golden candlesticks. And Revelation said he holds the seven stars in his right hand. And then on the other side was the table of showbread, the bread of his presence. He said, and healing is the children's bread. His, mm. Then you approach the, the golden altar of incense where the red burning coals went up before God. And there would be the heart of God. What he's describing is Jesus laying down in the tabernacle. Wow. And the whole tabernacle is in the shape of a cross. And if you stood it up, his feet would be where the brazen altar is. His belly would be where the labor is. His, in his right hand would be the menorah. In his left hand would be the children's bread. Where his chest would be would be the heart of God. And his head would lay on the Ark of the Covenant. <sighs> which is the mind of Christ. And if you stood the tabernacle of Moses up, it would be Jesus on the cross. So it was a revelation of the redemption of man, a progression of the sacrifice. But David saw something beyond it. David went and took the Ark of the Covenant. Think about it just a minute. And he saw something that God wanted to live in people's homes. He wanted to live personally in their lives. But religion Mm. had had somehow attained all of this. 
until it got to the point where David didn't even know anymore how to bring the ark in. I want you to think about that. He didn't, they didn't know how to bring the ark in. He, he, he didn't. And I said, it's first Samuel, second Samuel six. Listen to what happened. It says, and again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baali of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God. He's coming from Judah, which is praise. So something's excited him. He saw something. He saw revelation beyond the tent of Moses. What was he looking at? Well, let's find out. He says, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels, on cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. Now that's sobering. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Peraz Uzzah, or the breakthrough on Uzzah to this day the breach of Uzzah. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So he had a revelation that God wanted that ark in his house. Something beyond what Moses tabernacle had done. David was looking at something in the future and he knew it was supposed to come, but he didn't know how to get it there. It had been so far removed. It had been so long out of their presence, they didn't know how to get it there. So they put it on a new cart. Now watch this. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him and to the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months and David blessed, uh, uh, the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David saying, the Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom unto the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they bear the ark of the Lord, uh, they that bear the ark of the Lord. And so now they're doing something else. Now they're carrying it. It's different now. He said, every time he went six paces, he sacrificed oxen and and fatlings, oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. And David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting, with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael's daughter looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings, peace offerings before the Lord. 
And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the Lord in the name of the Lord of hosts, blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women and men, to everyone, a cake of bread, a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So hmm. all the people departed, everyone to his house. David did not know how to bring up the ark of the Lord, but he knew God wanted it now beyond the tent of Moses into his house. So he, this is a prophecy. So guess what happened? They didn't know how to do it. So you know what they did? They prepared a new way, a new way, a new cart. It was a new cart, Steve, and it was pulled by oxen. Hmm. And they set the ark in the back of the cart. And uh, Uzzah and Ahio, Ahio led the oxen, and Uzzah set up above it, or Ahio did, and they drave the cart. So now they got a new way. They've got animals pulling it. They've got the ark in the back. And the whole thing is made up of, a cart is made up of big boards and big wheels. That's what it's made up of. So this new way of carrying God, this new way of bringing the presence of God to you personally, to your mm -hmm. home, has now been reinvented. It's by big boards and big wheels. And instead of offering the animal appetites, they let the animal appetites pull the cart. And what was so bad about it is that the men set up on the ark, up on the oxen seat, watch Steve, with their hearts above the ark of God. Oh, wow. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. The men put the ark, the power of God below their own heart. So their minds, their thoughts, and their hearts set above the power of God. And instead of sacrificing those animals, the animal appetite to God, they now let the animal appetite control the power of God and pull it along. And the power of God was subject to the men's thoughts and the men's hearts. And big boards and wheels did it. And when the animal appetite stumbled, then uh, Uzzah reached to steady the ark to keep it like it is. And the Lord, the Bible said, smote him there, and he died by the ark. Now, you're talking about things that happen and, th and things, prophecies that's happened years ago, and it's on my YouTube channel where I gave a prophecy that the Methodist church would split. It would split right down the middle. And I gave that prophecy blatant and point blank years ago. Wow. I said it will split down the middle. Your team could find it probably yeah. pretty easy. Okay. But I said it will split. And I said the United Methodist Church, and I said it will be uh, those that come out of it will be called something else. And I said, but they're going to split over homosexuality. I said, that's why they'll split. Now I want you to think about it. Suddenly, that denomination began to ordain homosexuals in the podium. They began to ordain them as the minister. They took animal appetites and lifted it up above God. Gee. And their big boards and wheels legislated this move. And instead of sacrificing an animal uh, offering, 
they allowed it to pull the ark of God. And then no matter what happens, sure enough, they split down the middle. They split. And when they did, people started leaving. And now they're forming a new Methodist church and calling it something else that has left those dictates. And the Lord said in that prophecy, I will have a Holy Ghost Methodist church. So you're looking at a new subject now. People are going to have to get their hearts away from being above God and trying to put him below their own appetites and their own thoughts. God is, and so then David said, this is not working. This will produce death. So he sent the Levites to get the ark. Steve, they went and got the ark and they put it up on their shoulders and God went above their heads. Oh, and wow. Wow. And they began to walk and the Lord could lead their steps as they walked. And a man uh, don't stumble as long as God's above his thoughts and heart. And so when David saw the power of God was there, he started dancing. He danced and one conservative figure, I think, or one figure said he danced 30,000 paces. Wow. 30,000 paces. Every six paces, he offered an animal. He offered two. Every six paces, he offered two. That means at 30,000 paces, he offered 3,500 sacrifices on the way to, to carrying that ark to his house. So there was a bloody trail behind him all the way back from where it started. And David danced and he danced. And if he danced just in a straight line on a conservative figure, he danced 14 miles. But if he danced on a larger figure, he danced over 38. And he danced and he danced and he danced. And he offered every six paces. He said, kill an animal appetite. Offer the animals before God. Offer him before the Lord. And there was nothing but a bloody road. But when, when it came to the end of the bloody road, David put the ark in his house. He offered the final sacrifice and he put the, altar, the ark in his house. And so this is where God wants to take us. We've got to, uh, uh, okay, I mentioned the Methodist church. Yeah. All right, so I did. But they did it, didn't they? Yeah. They split. And they did just exactly like the prophecy said. So maybe let this prophecy, let this teaching be a, a uh, repentance, maybe yeah. it be correction to them, but maybe it be a warning to others. Do not lift your doctrine and your boards and big wheels above the heart of God, above the, the mind of Christ. Do not do that. God is longing right now to bring his presence into our personal lives. All of us, he wants to be in your home. He wants to be there. And Jesus was the end of those animal sacrifices. He was the end of that. And so now he can live in your heart. We have to begin to lift up God's word again as if we believe it, Steve. Yeah. We have to do it as if it's true now. And so anyway. I, Robin, when you say, and, and this is just, you know, sobering too, <laughs> very sobering. When you say God's introducing a new subject, I mean, I could get a couple of subjects out of that. If you were to give the subject words, what would you say? Is, is it the holiness of God? 
Yes, I think it's righteousness. And I think the subject he's introducing is, is do not take your mind, your heart, and your animal appetite and lift it above God. That's the new subject. He must be carried on up here above us, not below us. Yeah. Well, that's the new subject I think he's introducing that we must start talking about. If we don't start talking about it, that's the only thing big enough to turn nations back to him. Really good. And the church is what is supposed to be doing. You know, my mentor, Wade Taylor, uh, before he passed, we every day for five years, we talked on the phone and he prayed. Mostly he prayed because I was the one in need. We prayed every day for five years on the phone and then God took him home. But he had a, uh, Robin, he had a thing that one time we were praying, he was praying and he sneezed or something. And he said, excuse me, Lord. And then he went on and I thought, Wade, you don't, you don't have to say that, but I've never forgotten it as, as evidenced by the mm-hmm. fact that I'm telling you mm-hmm. that his, his walk with the Lord was so precious that even yes. if he sneezed, That's he right. asked the Lord to excuse me. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Are we, we're, oh, we yeah. Just I, yeah. yeah. I, I see that. That's uh, when I'm, when I'm praying, you know, and I'll, I'll pray. People say, well, you know, they ask Smith Wigglesworth. I think it was one time they said, do you, um, how much, how long do you pray at a time? Do you pray 30 minutes at a time? He said, no, he said, but I've never went 30 minutes without praying. And so the thing is, is that it becomes a relationship. It becomes a relational walk with God. And I, I do that constantly, even in private, I'll, I'll, I'll be praying or I'll be saying something and I'll stop and, and I'll explain myself because I don't, I, I want to honor him in every word. Yeah. And, and, uh, I understand that. That's why I call him, sir. You'll hear me pray and I'll call him, sir. Oh, you do. And, oh, wow. And, and I just say that. And, uh, because it's, it's respect to him that I, he's my yeah. Lord. And, and I'm not, see, it's just like this, Steve, people, uh, people, um, and we'll get to that subject you wanted to, I think, but, about the two kings. Yeah, but, but, but finish that thought. I don't want to miss that. But I think people, you know, uh, sometimes prophecy coming from, uh, you know, a prophet prophecy, but prophecy in period, if a prophetic word is given, it can come across sounding harsh, hmm. but it's not uh, what it is when it sounds harsh. What it is, is the Lord is trying to give a chance for redemption. He's trying to correct something. He's trying to say something in a way that suddenly people see that. And he gives them an opportunity because the day will come when they'll finally make a decision to not repent. They don't know when that day comes, but they will. They'll finally do that. If they push it off, push it off, push it off. They'll finally make a decision to never repent of that. And then they have to reap the consequences. And the Lord don't want that. Yeah. He's not willing that any should perish. So a harsh prophecy is actually a prophecy out of love that something has gone so far that see, Jesus told those Pharisees, he said, you generation of vipers, 
Now, just think about that a minute. I mean, you know, that's hard. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're listening to. Somebody tell you your mamas were snakes. That's hard. Yeah. And, but yeah. he said, you generation of vipers. And he starts talking to them about the things they're doing. And, and you know, remember John the Baptist called them a generation of vipers. And watch what John said. And, the, and Jesus said there wasn't a, a prophet greater than him in the Old Testament ever born of a woman. Yeah. And John looked at him and said at the, at the religious leaders, and he said, you, you generation of vipers. He said, who has warned you to, free, uh, to flee from the coming wrath, from the wrath to come? Yeah. There's your motive. He said, you generation of vipers. He said, in other words, nobody's ever had the nerve to tell you that you ain't going to make it. Wow. You are going to make it. Who's warned you to flee? Yeah. You know, I used to see that Robin and I would see these people coming out to John the Baptist and I thought, well, weren't they coming out? Cause they heard that John the Baptist, but he knew their hearts by revelation that that's he did. That their hearts were completely twisted when they came he out. Did, to see and he him. was the motive of God was revealed. Yeah. I'm trying to warn you about the wrath that's coming that you can't escape from unless you change. You know, when Jesus told them there's a generation of vipers, he goes on to say this. When you start reading all the things he said to them, I watched one movie. It was in the Matthew film. Remember the Matthew film? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was giving this discourse and he said something so hard. I think it was Matthew went like this, <laughs> just oh, did oh, like man. that. And then he comes on down and you start to hear something. He says, how can you escape hell? He didn't want them to go to hell. Yeah. And nobody had the nerve to tell them. Nobody had the nerve to tell them. Maybe nobody had the nerve to tell the Methodist church. Do you realize what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing? And by holding in this doctrine of animal appetites, unholy affections, Ooh lifting your mind and your boards and wheels above the heart of God. You are trapping people in homosexual lifestyles that are crying day and night for deliverance. Wow. You're trapping wow. people there and God, they think it's okay because their hierarchy told them it was okay, but they're unfulfilled and their destinies cannot be realized. And that's a, that's murdering people's destiny, Steve. You know, and I see that and I hear, uh, and I sometimes I cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, it's so, they have so pervasively said, we want to show love to people. We want to understand people who, who are, who were created differently when they were born differently and they get, they just beat it and beat it and beat it to pretty soon. You think I look at it. I, sometimes I look at myself in a mirror and I'll think, am I a hard hearted judgmental so-and-so because I think they should leave that lifestyle. Am I just, hard-hearted, you know, I, because they just beat that thing to death about, well, we're, we care for those well, you know, who are different. Yeah. See, it's, it's not only that you know, and, and anyone that thinks it through knows that produces death. There's yeah. no life in that. There's nothing. But, the, but another thing that Christians seem to overlook is that there's whole destinies locked up and behind a mask of some kind because they can't even see their true identity. 
And God loves them. You know, the Bible said the madman of Gadara had an unclean spirit. Okay. Yeah. Now just think of that. And another account of it, it said there were two that had an unclean spirit. And they lived naked in the tombs and they were unclean. Everything about them, they thought this way. But it also said they cried day and night. Think about that. What yeah, for they? deliverance, isn't that? Oh, That's what it was, Steve. So when they say an unclean spirit, we could easily be talking about the very same sin. You could be. You could yeah. be. Unnatural yeah. affections, anything. Yeah. But what it was is it was a spirit. You know, there was a, I don't know how true this is, but I remember a, somebody went on a mission trip to Haiti and a Haitian witch doctor told them, said, I wasn't a homosexual, said, I wasn't. He said, but that's the strongest demon we can get. So I became one just to get that spirit. Really? Out of Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. And now that was told to me for the truth. And so, so an unclean spirit, what was it? Well, it could have easily been this, but whatever, it, here's the, here's the biggest point. It had the man bound yeah. in living in death, but the man was crying day and night to deliver yeah. for deliverance. And Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. And so he heard the father heard that cry. Can I ask you? Yeah. Ron, I want to ask you a question about that because we see the different aspects of Jesus and I have taught on this or at least commented publicly when I've spoken. I imagine that every single kind of sin, every kind of sin Jesus encountered, at least he knew that these secret things were going on. And when we see that Jesus made, was a friend of sinners, ate with sinners, associated with sinners, do we understand that even that sin of homosexuality, he was probably eating with people at the table? I'm trying to contrast the well, love of Christ with the severity. Well, you know, well, you know there yeah. were Greeks there. Yeah. You, and, and listen, and, and they worshiped anatomy. But more than that, the Romans practiced every ungodly thing you could imagine. Okay. And their temples. And there were temple prostitutes, and male and female. Yeah. They called, uh, do you know the Bible calls a male uh, prostitute? It calls uh, uh, talking about sodomites and a male prostitute an uh, offering of a dog. Oh, wow. And so you, you've got to, these things are bound up. Yeah. It binds people. But here's, here's God's heart. Yeah. Notice he didn't go over there to those men, if that's what it was dealing with. He didn't go over there and say, you know, you homosexual, you this, you that, you the other. He went in answer to the cry of the man's heart. I want to be delivered. And people didn't try to deliver him, Steve. They just chained him up. They just chained him up and leave him like he was. Well, they had, you know, they had no clue how to deliver it anyway. No, and maybe they didn't want him delivered. Maybe his, his fame brought them a lot of, a lot of business. Oh, and okay. people would go by to see the wild man, hmm. just like a sideshow at a fair. I don't know. Hmm. But the point of it being is this. He cried and cried. And the more he practiced, the more he lived in that, the more he stayed in that, demon after demon after demon kept inhabiting this man until there was a legion of them. When Jesus landed on that boat, 
at, with that boat. He had said, he, the Bible didn't say he said it then. He had said, come out of the man. Now, if you want to know what tried to stop Jesus on, that, on the Sea of Galilee that night from getting there, when that tempest arose so big, they thought they were going to die. The fishermen did. Jesus was asleep. They thought they were going to die. And they were pro-fishermen. They'd seen everything. But when they thought they were going to die, uh, it was that bad. Those were those spirits in that man. They were kicking up such a fuss trying to wow. kill Jesus before he could get there. But Jesus got there anyway. And when he said, peace be still, there was a great calm. And the calm scared the fishermen more than the storm scared them. And when he got to that side, he had said, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. He knew exactly what was going on. And the man ran to him and fell down and worshiped him. Worshiped him with all those spirits in him. That's crazy. He, that's he yeah. still could worship. That's so don't crazy. Don't tell me somebody's too far gone. There's no way. You know, I, that's, I've never had that quite pointed out. You're right. He was worshiping him, yep. Jesus, when he was yep. full of demons. Mm. And I mean, there was, a, you know, most people in the day didn't necessarily recognize Jesus as a man to be worshipped, but this demonized man fully recognized a man to be worshipped. That's a totally different mind. Blowing, it is, brother. You know? You're on. And he fell down and worshipped him. It also goes to show you how much bigger the spirit of a man is than a demonic spirit. Yeah. Because he could hold 6,000 and still had enough mind to worship Jesus. And so then the spirit answered out of him, said, uh, don't send us out of this country. That's a whole new message that I preached on the Sea of Galilee. Remember? Yeah. yeah. And it said, don't send us out of this country. And he said, send us into these pigs if you're going to send us out. So they went into the pigs. The pigs drowned themselves in the, in the Sea of Galilee. But the man was free. And when the man went free, they found him, watch, clothed, clothed, and in his right mind. And he said, let me go with you. Jesus said, no, go back and tell all your family and friends what the Lord has done for you. So good. And so he became an evangelist right there, an evangelist, Steve. Wow. He became an evangelist. And you, I have heard you speak on this several times, that you, you are the only one I've ever heard say this, that you believe that, those trapped in homosexuality are probably or likely yes. evangelists by evangelists. gifting. Is that right? And what, I... ha and what happened was, is Jesus revealed his destiny to him. He did. As soon as that spirit left him, he, the, he clothed him and he was in his right mind. And then he said, let me tell you what your destiny is. Go tell everybody what God has done for you. That's so good. You are an evangelist. And when he did, there's no record the man ever backslid. Never backslid. So that means the spirits that went into those pigs, the pigs drowned themselves, but the spirits went to dry places and they've never got out since to this day. They're still walking dry places, seeking rest and can't find any because that man never let them come back. And so here we have this. And I don't know, maybe there's two Maybe the reason it mentions two one time, either they're two separate events or one fully committed and repented. The other did not. Yeah. And yeah. if the other didn't, that's where those spirits went back to. So I don't know, but I know this, that they cry 
And if you have a denomination, and I only used, I'm talking about this because they did it. They split over it, just like I gave that prophecy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, I mean, that was a blatant prophecy. And when yeah, they we'll have to find that, that and we'll put that on one of those features. Yeah, some days you that. can show that if you like, but yeah. it's there, and it was straightforward. And uh, it happened. And now it's happened big. And now there's big, huge sums of money being moved around because of it. And they're changing. And, uh, but there's other denominations that are, and I gave a prophetic word after that in those days, that other than other denominations, the Lord was coming by each one to, to judge that. To On judge that same, in that same issue. Yeah, I, I believe it was that same issue. Yeah. And, but he said, he's going to visit each one. Well, this should be a, what's happened. Now their denomination is dying. It's dying just like Uzzah. Yeah. Dying by the ark of the Lord. But the ones that came out, they have a whole new Methodist church that is absolutely thriving. Oh, really? Yeah. And and the Lord had said in that prophecy, he said, I will have a Holy Ghost Methodist church. And so now that's what's coming out of all that. Well, you know, there's a, so I'm going to throw this one other thing at you real quick to have you comment. And then maybe we'll have time to do that other subject. But um, I was in Tennessee. There's a very famous, I'm not going to say the name, female singer out of there. And apparently the thing is known that uh, she allows her property to be used for gay weddings now and all that. And I'm going, she's gone woke, woke. I'm not going to say a name, but what's going on that that i mean that that kind of influence that this singer has is like a denomination in its power sure. because whatever sure. she if if that's okay with her it must be okay with god because she's still recording music well see there's whole organizations steve yeah. whole organizations that have lifted their hearts and minds above the heart of god and mm. they've got him trapped in a cart and they're letting animal appetites and animal instincts just drive him wherever they want him to go. Well, God don't like to be driven. He don't like that. And, uh, and I wonder what would have happened that day had they have let the ark fall. What if oh, yeah. Fall? That's a good point. What would have happened? Yeah. I mean, we don't even have precedent. What would have took place? Mm -mm. Uh, what if it had fallen off of there? I mean, I don't know what would have happened. Some people looked under the lid of it one time and thousands upon thousands died. On that one, on that day? Yeah. No, not on that day, but when they first came back from the Philistines, okay. you know, and that they put it on a cart then. They put it on a cart and sent it back. That is a profound, I mean, the whole, that whole subject is like, because God was never pre, quite presented himself that way before or after, because the, the appearance was they were trying to relocate the ark to where it belonged mm. from where it didn't belong. So, um, yeah, that's the whole thing. Well, but the difference, the difference is the Philistines didn't know they were that anybody's supposed to carry it on their shoulders. No, they're, they're basically innocent. Yeah. Of that thing. So they were just well, pagans. Well, why don't we do this? The last, uh, uh last half of this or whatever, uh, when we were in Israel, uh, I, you and I were sitting at the dinner table on the vet last night. We were talking, and I had missed your session because I wasn't feeling well, but you had talked about uh, the two kings 
And then I said, well, you know, Kim Clement uh, prophesied two presidents. And, and you, yeah. you had said at that point, well, why don't we talk about that on the show, the two kings, the two presidents? And uh, I didn't hear your full presentation, but you did give me a shortened version at the table, which I thought was phenomenal. So you, you want to touch on that? Well, we can. Um, and especially when you when you start dealing with, um, you know, um, what, what about the prophets? What did they say? How, yeah. you know, and this and that and the other. Yeah. So if you, if we go over to, well, let me just get here. Let me get right here. And I'll go. just look at it. You know, we need to look at the word if we're going to yeah. do anything. Like You're this. so good at that, Robin. You're amazing. Me. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, you know, I'll just tell everyone I was with Robin. He had his Bible with him everywhere on the trip. Other people are touring. You've got your Bible with you. And, uh, uh, I just, I'm just, uh, um, it was very instructive to me that you live this thing. When you talk about the word, you actually live this thing. So anyway, well, without this, yeah, we don't, we don't even know God. Yeah. We, we, we might, we might feel God sometimes and you yeah. may be born again, but without this, you'll never know him. You'll never so know. Him. See, there's a lot of voices in the wind, Steve, Yeah, but God wrote his down where you couldn't misunderstand it. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah is right. Now, yeah. here, okay, here it is in, well, let's say 1 Samuel 15. And here you have the story of where Saul, Samuel had told Saul, he said, go to the Amalekites. He said, uh, he said kill everything there, everything. A man, woman, boy, girl, oxen, sheep makes no difference. Don't leave anything standing. Well, Saul goes in there, you know, of course. And when Saul gets there, he spares Agag, the king of the Amalekites, uh, uh, of Amalek, I mean. He spares, uh, yeah, the king of the Amalekites. He kept him alive. He utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul spared uh, Saul and the people spared Agag Gee. and the best of the sheep and the oxen and of the fatlings of the lambs and all that was good. Now there again, they would not slay their animal appetites. They had to live by animals like animals. They just would not get rid of that. And so watch this. And there was a reason for all that. Maybe sometime we can talk about that, that he's, they were all that Samuel heard destroy them all. Okay. So it came the, and verse 10 said, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel saying, it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king for he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried unto the Lord. So Samuel gets up early. Now watch this. And he rose up uh, early to meet Saul in the morning. It was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal, the home of the prophets. And Samuel came unto Saul and said unto him, uh, and uh, came to Saul. And Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Gee, what a, I mean, <laughs> wow. Really? 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 And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites from the, uh, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. Oh, man. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. 
Samuel said unto Saul, uh, stay and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said, and he said unto him, say on. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. Samuel said, when you were small in your own eyes, your own sight, he said, when you were little in your own sight, uh, wast thou uh, not made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed you king over Israel, the king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord and but did fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice oh my of the goodness, Lord and really? have the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of, of, of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the spoil, sheep and so forth. Gee. Now watch this. He said um, to sacrifice unto the Lord your God. Verse 22, Samuel said, Hath the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For the rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. And here it is, Steve. Here we go. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he, Saul, laid hold upon the skirt of, of his mantle, and it rent, it tore. It was torn. And Samuel said unto him, the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day. This day. And hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Now he said he's given it to a neighbor who's better than you, and he took it from you this day. Not 14 years from now, not five years from now. Samuel said, today it left you. Today. Well, look at verse 29. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Now, he said this day he's given it, he's taken it from you and given it to a neighbor. Now, watch this close. So David is the neighbor. We know that. So the, the king, the kingdom was taken from Saul that day and given to David. That was something God did. God did that. David had the, he was king of Israel in God's mind that day. But Saul didn't leave his throne. So there's two kings, two kings. One is fraudulent <laughs> and one is legit. One's recognized by heaven. One is not. Okay. Yeah. So God is the only one that can give a kingdom. 
Right. But watch what he tells Samuel. He says, now Samuel kills Agag, cues him in pieces because a prophet did what a king wouldn't. Now watch this. Then Samuel went to Ramah, verse 34, and Saul went up to his house at Gibeah. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. In other words, it was done. Saul was no longer king. And the prophets knew it. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now, maybe, wow. maybe this is translating to people. It's, there is translating to me. The prophets knew it. Okay. But the prophet was the only one that knew it. Watch this. Gee. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord's rep- And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. And the Lord said unto Samuel, this is chapter 16, verse 1, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? So he said, this king that you're mourning for, the king you keep looking at is, uh, I have rejected this king. He's not king of Israel anymore. I've already transferred the kingdom to his neighbor. But then he gives the prophet something to do. Now, remember, the prophet's the only one that knows this kingdom is transferred. So there's no, I mean, it's not like we have witnesses that were all standing around listening to this per se. Whoever heard it in Saul's cabinet that was standing there knew it. Okay. They would have known what the prophet said. But the only one, nobody knows who the neighbor is at this time. Yeah. It's Only like a, God knows. Yeah, it's a, like a riddle at this point. Mm-hmm. Samuel don't even know. Mm-mm. So now what I want people to see is that that day, God took the kingdom from Saul and gave it to a neighbor because only God can transfer a kingdom. Watch Amazing. this. He tells Samuel, fill your horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now the first time we see Samuel is revealed who who the new king is. He's one of Jesse's sons. Now watch what he tells Samuel to do. He said, and Samuel said, how can I go? Now look, look what he said now. He said, fill your horn with oil and go. Fill your horn with oil. That's in verse one. And go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Fill your horn with anointing oil. In other words, this new king has the kingdom, but he don't have the anointing to run it. He needs the anointing to be the king now. The crown is his, the kingdom is, but you, prophet, have to anoint him to be the king. Yeah. So Samuel fills his horn with oil, but he says to the Lord, he said, if Saul hear it, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and say, I'm come to sacrifice to the Lord and call Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him 
who whom I name unto thee. Now, and it said, and Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, comest thou in peace? And he said, peaceably, I'm come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he, he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. He wasn't afraid of dying. If he was afraid of dying, he would have never looked at Saul and said, you have disobeyed and your kingdom's gone today. And he would have never said, took Agag and jerked him up and took a sword and hewed him in pieces. If oh, he that's true. I, yeah, I never thought about that. So the point you're making, he wasn't afraid to die. Uh, so when he said, Saul will kill me if he hears it, that's tied to the fact that God said, fill your horn with oil. In other words, he wasn't afraid of dying. If he was, he had never went to Saul. And mm. when Saul jumped on him and tore his tallit, he surely wouldn't have looked at him and said, the Lord has taken your kingdom from you today and given it to a neighbor better than you. Oh, that's, that's killing words right there. Yeah, right there. He wasn't afraid. And the only thing that could have made Saul brave enough to kill that prophet, he was, he was scared of Samuel. He absolutely knew Samuel's the one poured the oil on him. He knew. But now here's my, here's my point. Saul knew that it was that oil. And the only thing that could have provoked him to kill that prophet was to keep him from pouring that oil on David, to keep him from pouring it on his neighbor. Who's so, you're, so again, you're saying it's not that Samuel was afraid to die. He knew that if he died, that oil wouldn't get poured out on whoever David. Poured on David. Yeah. He didn't know it was David yet, but it wouldn't be poured out on. It wouldn't be poured out. Yeah. He just knew it was one of Jesse's sons. Yeah. And he knew God had already given him the kingdom, but Samuel was carrying the oil. So there were two kings in the earth at that time, a fraudulent king and a real king. Sounding familiar. Two kings, but the prophets carried the oil to anoint the king hmm. and the prophet was the only one knew who the real king was. Wow. Wow. And, and so now you, I'm trying to get everybody to, to put this in a parallel. Yeah. Now we say this, people ask this question and I know this is coming. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not, I guess I'll uh, uh, go ahead and ask Steve. No, I, I'll get the question wrong now because you, you you might be thinking of a different one. <laughs> well, okay. So when when David was anointed king, now just let the parallel continue. Okay. When David was anointed king, only the prophet knew who was anointed king. Right. They knew. The prophet knew. Okay. So the other one who used who who was not the king anymore who used to be king, but he wasn't the king anymore. His whole regime became nothing but to destroy the one who was anointed king. It became for one purpose. He would neglect the borders. He wouldn't Gee, wow. he would neglect the borders. He would neglect the defense of the nation. He would neglect everything to go chase after the wow. one who knew wow. was anointed. King what an exact, an exact parallel. It is. Now, yeah. now when he, he chased David round and round the mountain, 11 years, some say 14, 
But now David didn't have to wait that long. Now, let's see something here. And then this won't take but a moment and we'll close. Oh, that's good, though. But and what you're saying is David didn't. You're about to, to talk about you and I talked about that. You're about to say David made some choices. He did. That he didn't that he didn't have to make. He didn't have to make them. Okay. And uh, people are wondering what's going on now. Well, let, let's let's see if now we just keep following the word. Because watch this, the, the scripture says the heart of a king is in the hand of the Lord. Yeah. Now, now we have to remember. Um, okay, well, let's just look at it right here. First Samuel 24. Uh, and it came to pass when, verse 1, uh, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Well, we were at En Gedi. Remember, we turned mm -hmm. yeah. and right up above us, if we got out and went on up there, about an hour was the oasis of En Gedi. We saw mm -hmm. the oasis, but there's a cave up there. And, uh, you know, it was uh, a Danny that told us that day. Yeah. He said, he told me, he said, there's only one cave. He said, there's no mistake where it happened, where this happened. He said, because there's only one up there that fits that. And so listen what it says. And Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. That's in Gedi. That's what it mm. means, you know. And he came to the sheep coats, by the way, where was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, now listen close to this. Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. That's very clear, isn't it? Very clear. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily or privately. Now notice this. He said, read, read that part again. He said, that thou mayest do unto him as it shall seem good unto thee. That's a choice. Mm -hmm. But he said, I will deliver him into your hand. Now that was a prophetic word that David knew. And he said, I'm going to do it. And when that day comes, you can do whatever you choose to do at that moment. Whatever you choose. And instead of killing him, David made the choice to cut the end of his robe off. And David felt bad about that. Crazy. But he did show Saul this. It says in verse 5, and David, and it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these things and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went his way. And David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. And Jesus. David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt? Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how the Lord hath delivered thee. The Lord hath delivered thee. The Lord hath delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave. 
Some bade me kill thee, but mine eye spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth mine hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Now, later you see that at Gibeah uh, in, in uh, chapter 26, let's see, that he, uh, chapter 26, uh, verse 8, and then said Abishai to David, this when Saul went in to take a nap yeah. in the cave and was surrounded with his mighty men. And uh, let's see. Verse 8. Uh, yeah, let's see. I wanted to read something right here. Uh, I know I have to hurry. Well, you're fine. Uh, you're fine. Answered and said to Abishai, brother, go down to the camp. He said, I will go down. Verse 7. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay round about him. Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now, therefore, let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear, even to the earth once, and I will not smite him the second time. Now, he had twice here. And one account of that, maybe it's in Chronicles. I believe he said a deep sleep from the Lord came on them. We can check that out. I may be wrong about that. But notice here, he said, he said, the Lord's delivered. God has delivered him into your hand. Twice this is. Twice now, yeah. And David could have killed Saul at En Gedi. And remind me, Robin, did David not not know that Saul had rent the kingdom, had prophesied the kingdoms taken from me? Did David know that that had happened? I think he did because David and Samuel was so close. Okay. I'm sure David knew. Okay. And uh, David, but David had to make choices. Okay. And you know, there's a chance he didn't know. I, I you know, I, yeah. we'd have to study that a little bit. Yeah. Or maybe a lot. I don't know. <laughs> but here is the thing he had a choice. The first time he said, Look, the Lord delivered him into your hands. And David said, He delivered you to me. He did. I could have killed you. But he said, You can do whatever you want. So David could have killed Saul and went on into office. Yeah. David could have killed him again when he took his spear and his water jug, but he, and went on into office, but he chose to, he said, if the Lord's going to take him, let him take him in battle or something else. He said, I won't do it. So David passed up two chances to go into office early. Mm, That's very interesting, Robin. Now, very people interesting. need to hear what was just said. Yeah. And um, it may not be in this case that it's so much respect for the man as it is the office. Yeah. The office is an anointed office. And there may be that the modern day David, yeah. people can figure out who I'm talking about, the well, modern day yeah. David. In case anyone's missing it, we're talking about President Trump. Well, okay. and the and the the modern day David respects not doing damage to the office. Yeah, we don't know the decisions he made, but we know at least two. So he decides when he finally comes out and announces something, he said, "I'll I'll do this in twenty four, and I'll let the Lord deal with it." So in twenty four, somebody starts running for office, and you know, I 
uh, and people say, but see what gets people upset is they don't think that God gives men a choice. But he said right there, he had a choice. And the prophet said, it's up to you yeah. what you do. And so people say, well, God's just going to take him and make him do it. Really? Really? God didn't make and him Robin, do it. And Robin, I've heard people, otherwise Christian people, yeah. almost curse President Trump because he had, has it in his power to take this yeah. office back. Sooner, and they've and they've turned on him, and I'm going. Are you kidding me? You know they're cursing God's anointed because they, he didn't do what they want him to do. And, and well, I mean, this this is so instructive with David right here. Yeah, David's own men were saying, and, "Do it." You, here's the prophecy. This is it. Let me stick him to the ground. I won't have to do it twice. I'll just yeah. get him right now. And David said, "No, no, no, no." He made the choice twice, but look at the end result. Look at the end result. Saul reaped his own harvest for everything he had done. He, and it was a spiritual harvest because he, he sought a witch. Yeah. And so uh, he, he had the occult involved. He ended up reaping his own harvest. And when David was anointed king, it was a great celebration in the streets, Steve. It was a dancing in the street, a great celebration in the street. And it was an awesome thing. Now, so we, we, we look at all of this and we say, well, it's, you know, now we know that what's happening. We know this is happening, but God is not going to make anybody do anything. Remember Esther, he said to Esther, he said, um, through Mordecai, he said, who knows if you weren't brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. But he also told Esther, he said, if you don't rise up and do something, Deliverance will come from another place, but you and your house will not make it. You won't survive it. But he said, deliverance will come. So I mean, so Mordecai was a pro basically a prophet to her. Oh, he was, was his, you know, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And so right now the prophets know who, who has the kingdom, but the prophets are carrying the anointing oil and mm. the, and the trip of Saul. That spirit, I'm talking about it all in the spirit. Now you understand yeah, I'm speaking yeah. of spiritual things and all in the spirit, that spirit that drove Saul is out now trying uh, to destroy the prophets before they can get there with that oil. Hmm, that's because, so, wow. Because 24 is coming, but the anointing is still on him right now. It's already been poured, but 24 is coming. And for the new kingdom, the prophets have the oil. And so everybody's coming out against, the, not everybody, you know, but, uh, but people are coming out against the prophets. Oh, they're, they're false prophets. They're this, they're this, they're the other. They're the, and that's what Samuel said. He said, they'll try to kill me. He'll try to kill me if he knows I'm carrying this oil. And what could, what could possibly be the motive? Well, that spirit knows. That is the only thing left. If it don't happen this time, everything you know will make a turn. Everything will turn, and it won't be pretty after that. Robin, I can hear people asking, um, based on what you just said or said several times, and I haven't called you on it to ask, are you saying or are you prophesying, are you out and out prophesying that not until 2024 is, is uh, Trump going to come back in? 
No, because it's Trump's decision. I'm not okay. looking for a way out for me. Yeah. How many prophecies have you seen me give that was just blatant? Okay. Uh, I've given many, many that was just straight out. Yeah. Yeah. And, but if it's somebody's choice, I'll tell you now, look at the prophecy that I sent you that time. Uh, you know, it's already posted, but you've got it. And I sent you the other one where I called Netanyahu back to office. Yeah. Um, well, the reason the, the, the importance of it is, is not just so that you can see, I said it, it's already yeah. a record that I said it, but it's, yeah. it's not that Yeah, it's that that was a blatant prophecy. Yeah, it was come back, come back, come back. And then there's a part of that where I looked at you, it showed you and me on the screen. And I said, it wouldn't surprise me if Netanyahu don't just walk back in office. Yeah. And then two weeks before he did thereabouts, I have many, it was. It was stronger than ever. And sure enough, he came back. Well, in the same, in one of those same clips, if it had played a little further, I said, Donald Trump, get up and walk back to your chair. Yeah. Go to your chair. Get up now and go and, back. And when you said that, and I remember that, and I saw the clip a few days ago, I don't know if they're, uh, the, my note says they're looking for it, but okay. when you said that, you gave a prophetic instruction, a decree, whatever, start walking. Would you say Trump still had a choice or you're saying if he's listening, what would you say about that? that well, the way I would have taken that and, you know, you know, when you hear a prophetic word, you're you're in you're trying to to figure out what it means as well as everybody right. else. Is. That's always true. Yeah. And uh, I said. I'm sure Isaiah thought the virgin will conceive, dear mm -hmm. God, <laughs> you know, he, he's, but he never saw that in his lifetime and people probably called him a false prophet over it, but it happened, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And, and all of Israel knows it happened, whether they believe all of them in Jesus or not, that, that country prospers mega wealthy every day because he was there. That's the truth. So he always brings prosperity with yeah. him. Now, now here's the thing. I said, Donald Trump, get up and walk back to your chair. To me, when I thought about that later, I thought that denotes a campaign. Walking back to your chair. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? I hadn't thought yeah. of it that way. Yeah, I thought that has to be a campaign. And so I, what I had picked up on was what he decided to do. He decided to run another campaign. And so the Lord, when he decided it, the Lord had a prophet say, get up and walk back to your chair, start your campaign. It was after that he announced it. Yeah, that's true. And it was, and Benjamin Netanyahu came back into office and then he announces this and it's all online. It's all yeah. happening now. Just yeah. right on point. Yeah. Well, if he, uh, but here's what I will say. Do not be surprised if something very unique happens either right at the time of the next election, right before it, and then something right after it. So don't just, just remember these words because it's all based on his decision. And I'm not going to say what I think in my heart, because if I do, it could tip the enemy off yeah yeah right, yeah uh and when we talked uh in israel mm -hmm. at that dinner 
I think we, we were trying to we were trying to put in words because on the one hand, using the Saul and David, it was rent from Saul, so he didn't possess it. It was given to David, but he didn't possess it yet. So you had two kings. Neither one is technically ruling because one has been taken away, the other one's been given, but he doesn't have it. What, what is that about? That, how would you just talk about that? Well, that's just the thing. See, it's the time of two kings. Yeah. Uh, Kim prophesied it would be a time of two presidents. Yes, he did. Well, that's where we are. We're in the time between two kings. Now, the prophets know who is the king. They know. Yeah. They know who's been anointed or who will be anointed king. But see, he was already anointed king. But he's running from Saul right now. And he could have made a decision twice. And maybe one's been made and the other he's going to make. I don't know. But he yeah. will. He will make these decisions, whatever they're going to be. And when you say he's running from Saul, he's running from Saul when he could destroy them with his power now. Instead yeah, he he's could running. have. I believe David could have. Well, think about it. If yeah. David had made the different decision on either one of those things, yeah. he would have went in office early. Yeah. He'd have went back. But he, he could have done damage to the kingdom if he'd have done it wrong. Yeah. It didn't mean he didn't do it. It just means if he'd have done it wrong, he would have done damage to the kingdom. And if he does this wrong, he could do damage. Do you, to the have, do you have any sense in that story? Because the Bible doesn't seem to declare. Yeah. The, does, the Bible doesn't seem to say that God was or was not pleased with these two choices of David to not take. He just like, okay. He didn't say, I'm pleased that you no. did right. You were humbled yourself. No. You showed mercy. No, all he said was, is I'm going to deliver him into your hands for you to choose whatever you want. That's yes. it. And, and you can't get away from that. I don't yeah. care who you are. And, and see, this God is in control jazz that people throw out there, that God's just going to take a man and make him walk in his prophetic destiny. Well, he didn't do you that way, and he didn't do me that way. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now, back to the show. He offered you your prophetic destiny. What people ought to be really ecstatic and happy about is that Donald Trump didn't say, I'm never running again. That's yeah. what they should be happy about. Absolutely. Because when they pressed him, did you notice the other day when he owned that reporter? He just owned her. Owned oh, yeah. On that interview, they kept trying to press him on the, the 2020 election. He just kind of looked and well, <laughs> he just sounded soft spoken and patient and almost like, but he, he never said it wasn't done. He, he kept saying what happened and they kept trying to create a narrative that it didn't happen, but you can't deny the visual you're looking at on camera. That's true. <laughs> so he said, it's on government cameras. It's on government cameras. And they, she just kept with this narrative because they're just kind of brainwashed. What was, he, what was he saying was on government cameras? Uh, votes and, and, oh, and stuff, ballots. And, and she kept saying, that's not true. That's not, he said, it's on camera. All you got to do is look at it. <laughs> he just, he just and, sounded so matter of fact. To yeah, and he general. told him it was government cameras. So, that was you good. know, the government documented what happened. And if the and truth were known and it will be known one day, it's not oh, just it the ones we've seen. It's not those little clips. I think the government 
at least via the military, was watching every move that was being made. Brother, be... that's what I'm saying. Right before, just okay. don't be surprised, right before and right after what happens. Okay. Just watch. Okay. Just watch. And I don't want to say much right now because – no, but that's fine. I mean, that's a great riddle and a great code. And I, you know, I feel like I know where you're going, but I'm not sure. Gonna, yeah. I believe the people watching do too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, if you ever find that clip I sent you that time. Yeah. We'll you, play you, it again next, next, uh, maybe sure. week or whatever. We'll do it. At, we'll, we'll do one of those. It happened things so people can see what actually yeah. happened. So Emily, you have it. Go ahead and play that Emily. If you have that. There's a real stirring happening in Israel right now. Um, I saw that this morning. The Lord quickened that to me. And there's a real stirring happening there. Um, a prophet, a prophet there is being desired again. Um, Netanyahu. So it's time. It's time. I call Netanyahu. I send a prophetic word. Go back in office. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Netanyahu don't walk back in office soon. Mm. Now, that just would not surprise me. The Lord said that he's about to reveal to the world who the real leader of this trial is. He's going to show them who leads this trial and who still has a voice, who still has the voice that's speaking from an undisclosed place. For Israel is not going down. Israel is going up and over, says the Lord. For this is not going to happen what the enemies of Israel think is going to happen. And when they win, they will win so big that the world will see it and not ignore it. We're following breaking news in the Middle East as well. Benjamin Netanyahu will become prime minister of Israel once again. Israel's current prime minister conceded to Netanyahu after the country's fifth national election in four years. And then we didn't have it there, but at one of the iterations we were working on, had you then in that same, one of those same meetings when you called him back, you said you, you called Trump back. Uh, I thought that might be attached to this one, but it wasn't. Yeah, I said, I said um, Trump. Donald Trump, get up and start walking back to your chair. Yeah. And it was in one of those very clips. Yeah. It was just a little further. We'll have down. to get that and paste yeah. it in there next did, time. So. Did you notice this too, Steve? This is something good for prophets. Even if, if you're, if you don't have a, um, you know, I'm going to say this and then I, maybe this will help because you're, you, you, Steve like to help you. Yeah. You're always, you not only want to hear it, but you want to help with it. And yeah. I've noticed that that's a, that's a trait, man. That's just off the chain mm, yeah. that you say that's instructional. We need to hear this. We will see. There may be prophetic voices out there that maybe are not on, on, uh, people don't, maybe don't, don't see as much as other prophetic voices, but it doesn't mean, uh, it's like this. I said, Netanyahu. Uh, come on back. It's time for you to come on back to office. Well, whether he heard that broadcast or not, the prophetic word was released into the spirit and he heard it in the spirit. Well, see, and that, that what you just said, you're instructing right there. That's because I was going to ask you about that earlier. I go, well, what if he didn't see the broadcast? You just answered that question. Yeah. 
You put it in the spirit because you walk in the office of a prophet. Of a prophet. Yeah. And see, there's other people that walk in that in the office of a prophet and they prophesy and prophesy and say it. And if God gives you something to prophesy, it doesn't make any difference sometimes whether whether a king heard it or somebody else heard it. That's but good. the heart of a king is in the hand of the Lord. And if you speak it out into the spirit as a prophet, they'll pick it up. They may not even know where it came from, but suddenly it pops into their thinking. You know, I'm going to walk back in office. That's I'm just going to go back to office. That's and good. so, but when, a, when, a, when prophets back up and they start backing up from, from it, then there's nothing heard in the spirit. There's nothing to be heard. You, I mean, because that office is, has been compromised. Well, so you're saying if, if President Trump had backed off and said, I'm done, you wouldn't have even heard that line. Is that what you're saying? You wouldn't have even heard it's time to walk back probably? No, I don't think so. He would have and, removed and himself no... from that equation. You wouldn't have even heard that. Though. And who would have blamed him? Who yeah. would have blamed him as well, much right. as he's been beat on? I mean, really, who would have blamed him? Yeah. And so I, I think I think that what happened was that the Lord wanted me to and 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 think about how many other thousands, you know, because Elijah talked about, he said, I'm the only one. The Lord said, I got seven thousand. I mean, you know. So how many other prophets yeah. that we don't even know? How many others were told by the Lord in the night or in the mornings or in the early days, uh, early hours said, start calling Netanyahu back to office, call him back to office. We don't know how many. We don't know. But it was heard in the spirit, wasn't it? Yeah. Because the man made a decision to come back and Trump heard it. And Trump heard it. And now what you have said, there are people that are unknown. They, they never hit on media, but they may walk in a. They may quietly walk in the office of a prophet. Sure. Would that? Would you tell uh, people that know their prophets? They absolutely know it. They're, they're received in their local congregations. You're listening. Would you tell people in their privacy of their bedchambers to be, um, if they had heard that statement, it's time mm-hmm. they should be decreeing the same thing from their oh, own yeah. bedchambers. So, so yeah, you know, I heard. Uh, you know, uh, I heard. Uh, Kenneth Copeland say years ago, and he is a, he is probably the lead prophet in the, in the nation, you know, because he's a prophet himself. Brother Hagin was a prophet. And uh, it was, it was the sword of the spirit coming together before anybody knew what it was. But I remember years and years ago, I heard this statement and I've never forgotten it that a prophet not only brings a word to the people, but he brings a word for the people to start saying, to start saying. So a prophet brings a word like uh, Trump, get up and walk back to your chair. Netanyahu, come on back. The people should start saying that. That's good. Start saying that. And other prophets should start saying that. Are you serious? You're saying not only the prophets, but the people should be saying it too. Like yes. making their own decrees? Is that what yes. you're saying? Okay. Yes, because everybody has a prophetic anointing that's okay. born again. You know, you may not be the office of a prophet, but you're the prophet of your own life. That's really good. Because you have an anointing of a king, a priest, and a prophet inside you. Or you couldn't, op- you couldn't live in the future 
And how could the Holy Ghost show you things to come if you had no prophetic anointing in you? Yeah, but you may not be in the mantle of a prophet, yeah. but you you are prophetic. But you're now, saying all parties can be prophesying. All, everyone absolutely, can be, okay. absolutely. Wow. You know, uh, when and that's what you depend on prophets. When you hear prophets that, that you know are prophets, then that's your clue to start saying that. That's you good. You should start saying that and putting that out in the spirit world because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. Watch this spiritual wickedness in high places. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it turns political parties. So this is the first time I've heard that so clear. You're saying if you're, if you hear a person who's in the office of a prophet, you yeah. trust them, you know, they're yeah. hearing correctly. You need to be prophesying or saying what they're yes. saying, yes. decreeing what they're decreeing. Yes. You know, don't, don't you think Steve that, that how did Israel start learning and saying we, there's a Messiah coming. There's a Messiah coming. A Messiah's coming. Yeah. How would they know that? Because a prophet said it and they started saying it and the people picked it up and started saying it. And then Isaiah said, He'll, he'll be born of a virgin and he'll, and, and, you know, and then it was prophesied he'd be born in Bethlehem and this would happen. This would happen. People start talking. it. They start talking it until their Messiah has, he came. And so this is why when a prophet brings a word, now you just learn why people want to silence the prophets. Yeah. They may not even know why. They get some religious idea like the Pharisees trying to shut John the Baptist up or Jesus up. But, but what it really comes down to is that spirit that knows if the people start saying it and they start talking it. There was a guy I knew uh, that worked in this, um, at his job, he kept talking about uh, the tribulation, the rapture, Jesus would come, this and that. Yeah. And one of the guys there that was lost, I guess he was lost because he said, he looked at him and said, I wish you Christians had stopped talking about this because you're going to talk it up till it happens. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. How prophetic that was. Is. Yeah. Well, he, he recognized it. Yeah. Well, in the same sense that uh, Christians that are attacked, if the devil can get everybody talking a narrative, then he'll stir it up until people act like it's true and the men will bring it to pass. In this case, God will bring it to pass and all the parties involved will hear what God wanted them to do. But if the prophecy shut up, yeah. people like Trump, Netanyahu may never hear it. They may never hear that pronouncement. And even so in their, even in their own thoughts, they won't hear it. Yeah. If, if you, if the, no, yeah, they may never hear it because it's in the wind. You're prophesying. Prophets are really speaking, and it's going into the world of the spirit. And that's uh, amazing. See, I believe Netanyahu is a prophet as well as a king. Yeah. yeah, I also, but 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 he may have never heard that. Yeah, if prophets hadn't talked it, you may remember I was we were on the bus, and I when, it was actually one time I was really laid up sick for a bunch of years. But it was like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and and all of a sudden I'm in the in the night and I was almost sitting up. I don't know if I was sitting up, but I was shouting out 
Netanyahu, Netanyahu, and it was it was something came over me. The spirit came over me, and I was just proclaiming it. And I thought, what am I doing? I just saying his name over and over and over. But I, you know, had the sense I was accomplishing something, but I didn't know. Well, sure you were. You were putting that name out into the world of the spirit, and you don't know then what you said, what kind of impact it had on now, because in the world of the spirit, think about it. In God's world, He can take men that live a thousand years apart Oh wow! and make them arrive at the same moment at his throne. Now who can do that? I mean, what is that? That's, <laughs> crazy. that's how powerful the spirit world is. And he, the Holy ghost, the spirit of God himself prompted you to say Netanyahu, Netanyahu. Why? Now he has it in the spirit and now he can do something with that. And so he had me prophesy, come on back. Well, I don't know how many other people were prophesying. Maybe a lot, maybe none. I don't know. Probably a lot. You know, I, I make sure, sure a lot. And the same thing with the intercessors it, who are just yeah. prophets who pray according to one definition I've heard. But there was that thing going on in Washington, D.C. There was a sniper years ago and, and mm-hmm. he was, I, I can't remember if people were getting killed or just wounded, but there was that Washington, D.C. sniper. And one of the people that had, was obeying the word of the Lord said, God said, do this, go here and prophesy that, then declare this. And then they got, then they arrested him. And I thought, yes, I'm sure they obeyed. And I'm sure that really happened. But they were taking full credit when you know there was a whole bunch of other people obeying the oh, word of the Lord. And so, prayers and all. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't have any, you know, it's like Elijah. He said, I'm the only one. The Lord said, no, you're not. <laughs> no, yeah. you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. You're just the face. Uh, or, or maybe he maybe he wasn't even that. He was just somebody obeying God. But the thing was, he had 7,000 just like him. That's so good. So when I'm saying Netanyahu come back, well, it's a foolish thing to think I'm the only one saying Netanyahu go back. There's at yeah. least 7,000 saying the same thing. And so, you know, we're not alone. We're a body. Well, and we need the, like you said, we need the prophets. We need to know what the prophets are saying, the ones that we really trust. And I mean, you're well, obviously one of those that, that we how listen do we to very know, carefully. Steve, how do we know that a thousand years ago, the Lord didn't wake a prophet up and say, Netanyahu, wow. start speaking his name, speak his name. How do we know that? We don't know that because remember, uh, uh, Cyrus was prophesied hundreds of years before he was even born. And that pagan family didn't know to name him Cyrus because of a prophet. But we don't know back in those days, all these 7,000, how, how, how many prophets within that 7,000 rank? Yeah, that'd be interesting if, if he was talking about prophets or just people, you know. That, yeah, that uh, how God. many of them you think may have prophesied Donald Trump, Netanyahu? How many? I mean, we don't know. Uh, but to, to think you're the only one to put you in a bad place. And I don't have, you know, I'm here's the way I think about it. I'm just glad to be here. Well, you know, it strikes me that in this moment is God saying, you don't, don't, uh, I'm talking about, this is instructive to all the people, prophets, yeah. don't, don't claim you're the only ones. But if you do what I tell you, I'll reward you as if you were the only one. I'll reward that- you as if... You know, that just came yeah. to me right now. God's saying, yeah, yeah that's I'll good. reward you. I'll reward you. That, for the that's good. You may not be the only one, but you were one of the ones. Yeah. 
and being one of the ones is good. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. I, you know, when people come and say, well, I prophesied that I, I prophesied that before you did. Oh, great. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't yeah. care. What does that matter? Yeah. Uh, God may have had somebody a thousand years ago prophesy. That, but that's huge. Thing. What you just said there. I know we got to go, but that's huge because that it takes is. it out of the realm of even the here and now. I've got to figure this out here and now. No. Well, what, what if a thousand years ago someone started saying uh, Trump and Baron, Baron Trump, you know, you've yeah, got to. They don't you, know. And you they know. don't even know why they're saying it. Yeah. What they is would that? just say, couldn't you see one of those old prophets wake up in the middle of the night and say, Netanyahu, Donald Trump, and he'd go, well, what, what is what? that? I mean, <laughs> Donald Trump, that's not even Hebrew. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. So good. Yeah. So, so good. I'm just, I'm thankful and I'm very grateful to be sitting here because I don't have to be. Yeah, the Lord, we appreciate you, that you know, so much, you know. And you and I are kind of getting more and more friends and I just hanging out with you. And I'm proud to say that I've hang with you and you're the real deal when you're on camera and off you. This is the same Robin Bullock every single time. So Robin, you want to go ahead and pray for the people as we uh, close out? And I'll be honored to. And I'll maybe I'll just throw this out there. If there's anything you want to add in your prayer for those that are caught in this uh, lifestyle of homosexuality, just sure whatever occurs to you. You know, and I believe that this modern Jesus revolution, the first Jesus revolution from 68 to 72 or so, that was really at its peak. Yeah. We dealt with, with drugs. We dealt with people on psychedelic drugs. The modern Jesus revolution, I believe it's those in that lifestyle that God yeah. is calling out. Wow. And that's our modern day drugs. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's the yeah. modern day yeah. trap that he has, the enemy has God's people in. So father, right now, I mm. thank you for, for this day, Lord, I thank you for the Elijah stream. I thank you for all the crew that make this happen. Lord, I thank you for the team here. That's with me making this happen. I thank you, Lord God, for all the viewers watching. Yeah. I ask you to in, increase their prophetic insight. That as they watch, they can see things that Steve and I never even saw. Mm. That they begin to see new revelation out of all of this. And Lord God, that iron can sharpen iron. Give those courage, Lord, to begin to declare the same prophecies in their homes, out in their churches, and their everyday life. And Lord God, because we are one body, fitly joined together. Now, Lord God, I ask you to send an invasion in the spirit yeah. in those trapped in a homosexual lifestyle. Yeah, Lord. Send an invasion of your spirit into their lives to deliver them. Lord, to deliver them from, from the fear of a political group called LGBTQ. Mm. Lord God, to deliver them in the masses of, the, of what people call races. We know there's only two races those that know you and those that don't. The Lord God, I ask you for those that people call racist to deliver them from the political entity called BLM, hmm. to deliver them from these political entities that are using these groups of people as their own private, private slaves hmm. or in the LGBTQ trapping the homosexual people into seeing from seeing their own destiny 
and seeing who they are in Jesus, for trapping those, Lord, that would be trapped in BLM to just be political pawns in their groups. I ask you, Lord, to send a blast into these two groups to free the people from these chains that they will see that you love them and that your blood makes all the difference. For even today, God has heard your cry in the homosexual communities, in all of these racial bound up communities. God has heard your cry and he has sent a prophetic word today to say, be free in the name of Jesus. In the name above all names, you come out of them, you foul spirit, that would hold them in bondage. And Lord, reveal now their destiny of what you've called them to be. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Robin, thank you so much. Hey, tell people about your uh, um, best places to find you. I know your Tuesday. Um, talk about your Tuesday. Yeah, uh, Tuesday, you can find me on on YouTube. On It's a program called The 11th Hour. It's a place where we... we uh, we make 11th hour decisions. We, it's a place where we can hear the prophetic word, at least what the Lord has given us yeah. to make 11th hour decisions. And it's on YouTube. It's on my website. It streams from there. Also, uh, robindbullock.com. It streams on Facebook. And uh, anybody else tell me anything else? Is are, that, you in Rumble, are you on Rumble yet? or? I don't know if we're doing Rumble yet or not. If we're not, we're, we probably soon will be. I don't know. Okay. Yes, we're working on things. Okay. So anyway, it streams in those three places. And um, so people split them up. They, they watch on all three. Yeah. And um, also, if you just go to robindbullock.com, you can find anything that, that the ministry has, what we're doing. I'm usually at Church International with Pastor Robin, my wife, on Sunday morning. I'm usually there with her, too. And, uh, of course, brother, I mean, you know, People need a pastor. You need to hear her preach the word. She's a she's a preacher. She oh, is. I mean, and you know, you know, it's a pastor's anointing that cuts giants' heads off. It's not it's not the prophet's anointing. The pastor's anointing throws a stone, knocks them down dead. Yeah, and then the I mean, you guys warrior, got you guys got the whole thing. You know, you got the and pastor then the prophetic prophet. warrior cuts the head off. Yeah. so it works together. You know, so good, so good. Well, we love your team and the ones that were able to come. It was so good getting to know you all. Uh, I guess we better get out of here. A quick reminder that Derek okay. Johnson will be on tomorrow, uh, 11 o'clock. He is a, a, a vet who is, he's an amazing guy who talks about um, from, the, from the secular, from the um, patriot aspect, what Trump's doing, his executive orders. He's a fascinating uh, researcher, and he'll tell you what's really going on behind the scenes. And from, oh, a, yeah. from a patron, awesome. that was fascinating. So, yeah. all right, thank you, everybody. We will see you again then tomorrow. Thanks, and shalom, 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 <laughs> shalom. Perfect peace. There you go. Bye bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at elijahstreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.